Adam West. Adam Adam West. Welcome to Laps Gamer Radio. I'm your host Mark Hamer and this is your Laps News Update for the week commencing the 10th of October. Tonight we'll chat a little bit about the games we've been playing recently and we'll touch on a few news stories of note, plus we've got a little topic to discuss as well. Joining me today are Ali and Stuart. Good evening gentlemen. Good evening. Hello. I would also like to welcome to the show any new listeners that we've uh, accrued over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Podbean have been incredibly kind to us and featured us on their, on their homepage and I believe we're still featured on the front page of the game section, uh, the games and hobbies section of their website and, and on the app as well. Um, and so the number of, of followers that we have on Podbean has grown exponentially over the last couple of weeks. So to any new listeners we have, thanks for, for subscribing and, and welcome to the podcast. Okay, moving on, we've got a little mini topic to discuss today in lieu of uh, questions from the community. So what I'd like to discuss is what would it take for games to be taken more seriously as an art form in the mainstream? I would say better regarded critics. And uh, mm. things with films, um, you know, you have people like Roger Ebert and David Mark Remode um, over the water, and they are a much more established and sort of much more long term film critics. Mm-hmm. Whereas for games, there just doesn't seem to be that. Um, sort of variety of people that have been around long enough and have reviewed a huge amount of games. There probably is, um, but it's mostly in more of a print media. And even then, yeah. I think people do get burnt out quite quickly or move on to something else mm. um, in games compared to something like films or even book reviewers. There are more revered people. I mean, people like Jeff Gerstmann over at Giant Bomb, he's been in the industry for a long time, uh, and his opinion holds a lot of weight. Keith Stewart over at The Guardian, he's it's not old, um, uh, but he's been he's, he's older than the average video games journalist, mm. I, I, I'd say. Um, so, but, but people like film criticism has been around for a hell of a lot longer, because film has been around for a hell of a lot longer, and it's the sort of thing that people go to university to study um, rather you know not just like people go to university to study video games in terms of how to make them um, people will go to university to study films in how in terms of how to make them as well but will also go and study go just study the art of film mm-hmm. um, it's not really taken seriously academically as a, as a as an art form because it's still it's still really in its infancy compared to other other mediums um, and so I don't think it's it's been around long enough to have a a, a wide you know a established veteran um, you know critics like film does mm-hmm. Unfor- unfortunately um, there should be really because what video games have been around for 40 odd years I think that they, they need to start off at the studios as well um, there's a few things that, that crop up every now and again um, within the games industry that kind of lets itself down so um, myself and, and Stu Cullen and, and anyone else I won't mention any particular companies but some of their internal PR guys um, are, are rubbish to <laughs> say the least um, they're very lacking in communication I know personally I'm a very very small fish in a 
massive ocean um, in terms of um, being on press lists and stuff. That's just because I'm a bit bit ballsy, create some business cards, got a YouTube channel, hand out a few cards and I've managed to get on some of these lists. Um, but in terms of the, the interaction, there are there are two companies that you're on the list. Every now and again you get a, an email, maybe a monthly email or a quarterly email and that's about it. And you just try for a bit of interaction. I, I don't expect to get anything for free, nor do I expect um, to get anything every time it's nice to get the odd game or whatever and sometimes it might not be the triple a but just to get something just to help boost my channel is is great but sometimes just having the insider knowledge in terms of a press release so then i can take that to my youtube channel before other people just because i've gone out on a whim to say can i be on your list that's great but then the way you're treated and some of the guys that work there think they're royalty um, and are very up themselves if you like um, and I think that needs to, to change um, because I'm sure if you were on a, a press list for uh, Warner Brothers or um, Universal, uh, New Inline Cinema if they're still going and, and, and people like that, I would say that you'd probably not treated better but I, I, I feel like the movie industry is probably a little bit... Uh, if you're established... Yeah. I say, like this is now. I have very, very limited uh, experience in this. I was a, spent a couple of years as a film critic when I was at university, just a student film critic for the student newspaper. And like, if you're an established film critic, I imagine the the the, the, um, the marketing departments for these studios would be, you know, very eager to get you in to see their film, unless they know the film is garbage, and then they usually won't let anyone see it until it's already out. Um, but I had it was a bit of a mixed bag dealing with the film studio, well, the the, the publishers, I guess, so the, the the marketing departments of of, um, of film publishers when I was doing it as a student. But that's because I was a student with no no name at all, really. Yeah, I guess it's easy to get into the gaming industry than probably the film industry because it has been established so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of. Um, uh, like apprenticeships and um, like grad student placements and stuff where the PR guy's there for six months to a year at best to get mm. experience and then go so there's not a, there's no stability there um, but then they're moving on from that as well is is they, they do have the uh, BAFTAs gaming BAFTAs mm. yes. and I know last year's they were slated quite a lot personally I didn't watch them um, they, they tried to have famous people on there Mm-hmm. Um, but then they, the, the, the BAFTAs aren't as well publicised and they're not as well put together. Now, if someone spent a bit more money on doing that and probably put it on maybe Channel 5 or Dave or something, Challenge mm-hmm. TV, and it was live, you'll gain a bit more interest um, and, and different things like that. I know a lot of actors quite like working on games these days um, yes. because it appears to be a bit more of a challenge for them. A little bit mm. doing like a, an animation or whatever, but I think a lot of games will do the mocap stuff as well mm-hmm. and really go into detail on it. Um, so if their actors are wanting to come in, then I think we, I don't know, we should just be more proud of it. I think gaming outside of a gaming circle, um, if you're not a gamer, I think you see that as a childish thing to do, potentially still. I think that, that image yeah. is still there. That is still there, and that there are people in 
the mainstream sort of media who have tried to champion games. Um, Charlie Brooker did the the Game Swipe series for a short while, and then he did that that one-off um, how video games change the world. And there were people appeared on that who who have been big champions of video games. And Jonathan Ross um, is a fan of video games. Um, Daro Breen, uh, Graham Linehan, they're, they're all big champions of video games, but to the wider public they're still viewed, especially the older generation, they're, they're viewed as a childish pastime. Yeah. Which is um. a little bit unfair um, in a lot of cases. I mean, if you look past a lot of the, you know, the, the rote AAA first person shooters and, and you know, kind of dumb games like that with the, the, the equivalent of the Transformers film in terms of video games. <laughs> there are there are video games that are, t- are telling really, really well-crafted stories. Um, yes. Yeah. And they, they also touch on some very, very interesting subjects. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. I'll talk more about it later, but Mafia 3 is a very good example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the media gives... Um, or can give gaming quite a bad name as well. So whenever anything happens, a lad's mm. gone to school with a gun, it's always always oh, because he's played Grand Theft Auto, he's played Call of Duty and things like that. Well, yeah, yeah. but it's probably the same child that sits and watches, I don't know, um, I'm trying to think of an extremely violent film that's out at the minute, but there isn't any that many because <laughs> well, they've been dumbed down a bit. But That used to be the scapegoat, didn't it? It was before it was video yeah. games, it was the video nasties and it was it was heavy metal music and... yeah. Um, yeah. Marilyn Manson getting pulled up to be interviewed on TV because someone who'd shot up a school listened to Marilyn Manson's music and things like that. Um, yeah, Eminem's video been games, guilty of it. Yeah, um, video games are often at a... Uh, the news likes to pick up on the worst aspects of video games and the people who enjoy them uh, and kind of ignore the interesting things that games are doing. Like, Especially... Uh, AAA... Um, is slowly beginning to catch on. I'm interested to hear what you say about Mafia 3. Um, and they are trying to be a little bit more progressive and a little bit more interesting in the way they tell stories. But indie, uh, the indie scene has been doing really, really interesting things and telling interesting stories and covering interesting topics for quite a while. Um, but on the whole, those games are kind of unknown to the vast majority of gamers, let alone the wider public. Like, unless you are the sort of person that reads um, you know, video game websites and you wouldn't have heard of games like Depression Quest or Papo, Papo Eo um, and games like that that kind of tuck, tackle serious mm-hmm. you know, um, subjects in a very clever way. Well, you could argue the same thing for that as well with films. You know, unless you listen yes. to you know Mark Kermode or read certain types of paper, if all your film information is coming from the sun, you're very unlikely to go and watch a French subtitle film. That might be the no. best film of the year, but that's still very unlikely you're going to see it. I think another yeah. problem that um, games has is that films, because of the actors and who they are, there's a lot more interest in actors themselves, and there's a lot more mainstream mm-hmm. crossover media because of the actors you know they will go on um, chat shows and things and they'll do other promotions and things like that whereas for games even with actors in them they don't necessarily have that crossover um, sort of appeal or PR um, for that so in reality you know you're not going to have a developer sitting on the Ellen show um, talking about the no. relationships or their latest film and what have you and I think to a degree that way people just don't see games 
um, apart from just seeing them as game stores and seeing them as things for kids. Yeah, uh, I mean, unless you uh, watch, say, something like when Giant Bomb are at E3 every year and they have their like evening sessions where they get people who are there at E3 on the sofas together and you'll you'll have what is the closest equivalent to um, Jonathan Ross with some guests or um, what's his name, the Irish guy who always has ridiculous, ridiculously good guests on his show. Oh, Graham, Gra- Norton. Graham Norton? Graham Norton, Graham Norton, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, like at E3 last year, they had, uh, uh, just on one of the panels on the sofa, you'd got like Tim Schafer and Lorne Lanning, the, who's like the grandfather of indie games, really, the, the, the guy behind uh, the Abe, um, uh, Abe's Odyssey and those and those games, and some really interesting people on, on, on a, like a panel. And it's really, really interesting to watch uh, if you're into uh, video games, but for the wider public they would find that stuff tedious I, I imagine because it's they just don't understand the art form it's not as prevalent which is weird because like video games in terms of the amount of money that they make now and I know that it costs a hell of a lot more to buy a video game than it does to go to the cinema and see a film but GTA 5 made more money than any film that's come out in the last Three years? Four years? Yeah, mm. three or four years. Yeah. Um, the video game industry as a whole makes more money than Hollywood. Uh, but yeah. it's just not taken as seriously. No. Um, and it is a shame because they are... The, the, the art form has come a hell of a long way. And it's like films films are doing some, telling some really interesting stories, but film has been around for over 100 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've video games have been around for 30, 40 years, really. And... In that time, they've gone from being incredibly primitive games like Pong to like deeply moving stories like The Last of Us. I don't know. Maybe, maybe in the future, maybe as this generation gets older, um, because successive generations, it seems the video games are becoming more and more popular. I mean, you look at how popular uh, amongst the younger demographics uh, YouTube Let's Play videos are compared to any other type of video mm. yeah. on YouTube. Um, I think maybe as younger generations get older, um, video games will become a more widely accepted art form. It's strange how um, back in the day when we were all youths, uh, we used to have a Games Master on TV. Mm-hmm. Channel 4, yeah, yeah. every whatever it was. Yeah, it was every week Saturday morning like a, or something. No, it was um, Wednesday or Friday night or something like that. Yeah, mm. um, which was great. And there was other shows. There was Bits, and there was the one with yeah. Andy Crane and Violet Berlin on um, ITV as well. And that was actually yeah. in the, yeah. sort of the kids' lineup um, of TV shows. Do you think YouTube is possibly a um, not a culprit, but a um, an influencing factor as to why it's not getting the mainstream audi- audience? Because you go on YouTube, and you can guarantee that there'll be gaming videos suggestions mm. and and whatnot it might be some of the big guys that i'm not going to mention here because they don't deserve it but um <laughs> that are there but they they use that as their kind of graham norton or whatever although it's different but do you think that's their channel four back in the day is it more mm. twitch and youtube now that are 
driving force for gaming? I would say possibly, but I would also say that it's the sort of TV commissioners and what have you um, who commission mm-hmm. you know series of shows and things. Just see game shows as either for kids, or even with um, Darrow Brain's um, sort of eight bit show on uh, Dave, it's still seen as sort of a little more comedy and a little bit more or a little bit more puerile than sort of like a high yeah. concept show, um, you know, such as the. Um, the review show on BBC Two, or even sort of you know, film twenty sixteen or whatever. There's nothing like that that takes any more sort of highbrow or a, a properly critical analysis of games on TV. No, and that, I but think like, that's one of the things that's lacking. On YouTube, there is definitely um, it's becoming more prevalent. Like even if you if you cast aside the, the 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 hordes of Let's Play videos and Twitch streams and stuff like that, you've got video series like. Um, guy on youtube called ahoy who does really interesting videos where he goes into like the history of he did like a series on the history of graphics he does lots of videos on like the history of like particular weapons in video games like um and uh like the genesis of some of the old video games that started particular genres and you've got super bunny hop who does um really really interesting videos on uh to unfortunately only a few hundred thousand viewers uh, per video, um, rather than the millions that Let's Players get, he does really interesting videos on on video games. And then you've got like uh, uh, I've only watched one episode of it, but Jeff Keighley's new show on um, YouTube Gaming or YouTube Red or whatever the hell it's called, um, where he it's it's a proper show where he sits there and has guests from the video game world on there and, and conducts interviews with them, like like someone like Graham Norton or Jonathan Ross would do on their show. Um, so there is that stuff out there, and it's it's gaining an audience. And I think that well, YouTube has replaced television for a lot of people mm-hmm. um, these days. A lot, a lot of the younger generation will watch, you know, hours and hours of YouTube videos, but won't really watch any TV. Um, so I think that's going to be the place where that that sort of coverage finds its home. And in that respect, I think it is. It'll be somebody on YouTube who maybe does take a slightly more serious look at games. But it's. I think it does come down to their longevity in the medium, and uh, you know, yes. as a, as a reviewer in that, and then getting more people who again um, have a bit more longevity as reviewers of the medium that will help to legitimise it in the future, and also based on the different games and things that they decide to cover, or you know, you know, hold up as their standards of um, you know being a good art piece as well as a good game. Um, that'll be the thing to do in the future. That's the thing that's that's great about YouTube. For all of its problems, like YouTube is fantastic for cultivating channels that that um, uh, cater to a particular niche, something that wouldn't be able to exist on television. Like this, there's, there's, there's plenty of really good YouTube channels out there who will go into theories r- r- um, about the plots in films and TV shows and stuff like that in really really interesting ways, mm-hmm. uh, and they manage to find like a really good audience and manage to. The people who make those videos manage to, to to live off just the viewers they get on the YouTube channel. But it's the sort of thing that just wouldn't pull in the viewers if it was on TV. Um, so, yeah, for a lot of this stuff, I think YouTube is 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 the best place for a lot of that stuff. So, like I say, as the younger generations get older, um, I think 
the, the, the YouTube and other video mediums like that that aren't like traditional TV um, will take over more and more uh, and everyone will be able to find that video series or something like that that, that caters for their niche interests mm. um, and maybe video games will become less and less of a niche interest if it's, it's it feels weird to say that it is but in the grand scheme of things it is mm. yeah. I think what you're saying Mark is Laps Game Radio needs to become Laps Gamer Chat Show uh, yes. <laughs> and then we take it in turns to interview people maybe we split into teams and we have Laps Gamer uh, chat show and then we have three of us that go and do a Top Gear version of a game show as well and we can just intermingle and <laughs> yeah. do that Yeah, start our own niche, why not yeah, well I'll tell you what there's plenty of YouTube channels that I would rather watch than Top Gear so there you go yes. oh, sorry, I'm on about Hammond, Clark and May not well, mm-hmm. either or the no, I'm, I'm still on about having Clark and May to be honest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the YouTube channels I watch have significantly less racist jokes, but uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on to what we've been playing over the last uh, week or so. Um, first of all, we decided a, a few of us, uh, myself, Stuart, um, Kev, and uh, Andy as well, I believe, is taking part. And um, presumably Lee as well. Uh, yeah, Lee as well, yeah. Uh, we decided to um, go work through a backlogathon. Um, so, in order to clear the, uh, for some of us, ridiculous backlog of games, like my list at the moment of games that I've bought in the last five years. Um, is uh, 43 titles. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, that you've not completed. That I've, not, that I've either not touched or I've played a little bit of or I played a chunk of and then haven't finished. Um, so our plan is to work back through all of those those games that we haven't finished that we've purchased over the last five years or, or games that we've picked up on um, uh, Xbox Live, uh, Games of Gold or PS Plus that we actually want to play rather than we've just purchased because it's there um, is so that we can actually play video games in the future without that pang of guilt in the back of the head as like I've just bought a new game and I haven't finished the ones that I purchased last month or whatever uh, and also to save up any money that we don't spend on new games to go towards the Nintendo NX fund for whenever that console decides to actually come out or hey even be announced um <laughs> so uh the rules are quite simple um so this is how uh, the, this is how, how Stuart, you, you set this out in you um yep. the purpose of this backlog of one is to make a dent in our backlogs between now and the new year any money that could have been spent on games may be put into our respective nx funds and the rules are simple a game counts towards your backlog if you have not played it or you consider it unbeaten games purchased in the last five years are considered part of the backlog anything purchased more than five years ago is exempt as are games from services like ps plus and games of gold like if you picked it up and you don't actually want to play it and uh, a game is considered to be off your backlog if you deem it to be beaten, completed, i.e. you got all the achievements or trophies, or you bend it off because you don't like it and you don't actually want to finish it, which may happen to a couple of the games on my list. I personally want to get my list cleared by February 14th because that's when Persona 5 comes out and I need <laughs> to get that game on day one. <laughs> so I've got, uh, yeah, 40, 43 games on my list and I've finished one of them since we started this, so... I've got a long way to go. A lot of mine are short. I've got games like um, Gone Home on there and uh, Transistor and the Banner Saga and things like that that aren't particularly long. Um, 
but then I've also got some monstrous ones on there like Batman Arkham Knight and um, the expansions for Fallout 4 uh, and I understand that Undertale is about 12 hours long as well so I've got some some serious games to get through but uh, I will feel considerably better once I've actually cleared this backlog because my pile of shame was getting out of hand. I don't know, don't know what yours is like, Stuart. Um, well, I was sort of totaling up, and I think I did my PlayStation 3 games, my Wii U games, and as I couldn't quite remember when I bought a lot of my Wii games, I just added them all in, and I think I was up to about 70-odd, and that's not including my Steam library, which is just not even worth considering, because it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm technically working through my back- backlog on my Steam library as part of the Year of Steam's Little Sister show, anyway so I am working my way through it slowly and um, I'll be doing that as part of that show anyway but yes just on consoles as I say with the PlayStation 3, Wii U and Wii and I caved a little bit I um, got Captain Toad um, ordered up (laughs) for the Wii U over the weekend just because it was down to £15 and I thought uh, that's a nice price and technically it's going to be played as a family game with both my wife and my son so that's my excuse for it yeah, right before I decided to do the backlogathon, <laughs> I splurged um, fifteen pounds on uh, Pikmin Three. Yeah, nice. So that's sat there. It's not. I've not cleared it as part of the backlog. That's going to be a little treat for when I've actually cleared the backlog. So that's sat on the Wii U, ready to go. I'm just looking at your list now. You say seventy, but there's about hundred and sixty on this list. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was just cutting and pasting. Oh, I didn't realise it was quite that much. Yeah. If I take out all the gaps. There's 160 games on that list. <laughs> so good luck. Okay. I can honestly say you've got no chance of me doing this. Um, as you'll see in a minute from the games I've been playing, I'm, yeah, it's just never going to happen. <laughs> no, I'll, of yeah. course yeah. get some of them happen. down. But yeah. Well, we, we figured that it wasn't going to be possible for everyone to get involved in because like you play a lot of videos for a YouTube channel and Stuart Cullen, obviously he plays games. Um, he has to play new games to review them as part of his job. So... We understand that, like you know, you can't take part because because of the nature of what you do. But yeah. for us I'm... mere mortals, it's, <laughs> it was it was getting out of hand. Like the number of games that I bought, and it's like I've got. I just I, I was just looking at the number of games that I've bought this year that I haven't finished, and it's embarrassing. Mm. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely mean. a good exercise. Yeah. Yeah, so for the anyway. foreseeable future on the show, we will be talking about games that we have bought and not played. So they will be slightly older games, and uh, we'll mm. see how they play and uh, recommend them for Labs Gamers, if they yeah. we think they're suitable. Mm. Yeah, I've got a few uh, that are newish, like expansions for games that I'd already owned anyway, um, and a couple of games that I bought recently that, um, that I haven't finished that I'm including in the backlog. Um, but most of the stuff is going to be from the last few years. So, uh, without further ado, uh, Stuart, do you want to start us off? I will do. Um, I'll very quickly talk about LEGO Batman 3, which I have been playing on the Wii U. I'm making slow progress through LEGO Batman 3 compared to LEGO Batman 2, which was just a joy to play. Um, I'm finding LEGO Batman 3 just very awkward. The levels are an awful lot bigger than they were on LEGO Batman 2, and I think because of the larger cast of people that you get to play as, um, because you're up against, um, I think it's Brainiac, um, who has a 
know, control over um, quite a few sort of baddies and goodies. A lot of the people from the sort of core um, DC universe, um, particularly on the Batman side, are all sort of working together. So you've got villains you're playing as um, Joker and Killer Croc and Lex Luthor and what have you, um, mixed in with Batman, Robin and uh, Cyborg and things like that. So there's an awful lot of crossover of special abilities and things um, on each of the levels. And as I say, um, whenever I'm playing the levels, it just isn't entirely clear what I'm supposed to be doing or supposed to be going. Whereas in Lego mm. Batman 2, it was fairly obvious. Not that it was necessarily linear, but you had a good idea of what your next um, sort of point of interest or target um, was going to be. I also think the hub world in Lego Batman 3 isn't as nice. Gotham City was just such a wonderful location and um, it was, size-wise, it was sort of kept reasonably small even though you know you could obviously fly from one end of it to the other um, with any of the sort of flying characters or even through using the Batwing and things like that. Um, so Gotham City was just fantastic to actually go around whereas the hub worlds within Lego Batman 3 because they're sort of vaguely um, either universe or space station based just don't seem to be as interesting um, to go through. But I'm mm. playing it on my own and also playing it with my son. Um, so it can be a little bit more frustrating whenever I'm playing with my son. He's only four years old, so doesn't necessarily um, sort of go to the um, points of interest and what have you that you need to go to to progress through the level. So it can be um, a little bit more tiresome <laughs> to actually make your way through. But as I say, even for myself, um, it's just feels unnecessarily long or slightly obtuse uh, whenever I'm playing it and uh, it's okay. If you're a fan of the Lego games you probably will love it and there is a bit more to it. Unfortunately the Wii U version doesn't allow for the extra DLC that the console versions and Steam version allow for um, but overall after having played it I'm not even sure that I would actually want to go back to the DLC anyway. Um, mm. So I'll, I'm making slow progress on it but getting there. The other game that I've been playing is called Lost Echo. It is a point-and-click adventure and is available on iOS, Android, and is also available on Windows Phone. Uh, the setting for it is you are... Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, it's probably a sort of future engineer who's currently working on a um, 3D printer that will basically be able to 3D print any object um, in the future, such as proper electronics boards, etc. Um, that's just sort of the basis for who you are and why. Your girlfriend appears to be a reporter of some description and you sort of get a phone call from her um, to meet up and during that meet up you, an event happens and your girlfriend disappears and you wake up in a hospital. Whenever you start talking to people they have absolutely no recollection of your girlfriend Chloe at all. And so obviously you have to make your way through the adventure trying to figure out what happened, why they decided to kidnap her or make her disappear, and sort of slowly piece together why um, she was chosen or um, how they managed to kidnap her and then erase all the details and things after that. It is a very enjoyable little game. Um, unlike a lot of the old sort of 90s point and click games, the solutions to the puzzles and the items and things are not obtuse. Um, they're sort of fairly obvious 
um, that you need to use, uh, like a free spray on a lock and then um, hit it to break it, or sort of using your phone to um, record a conversation, um, or take a little bit of video clip of a you know a sign and things that are moving, or even a little bit of silicone to try and sort of recreate a finger a print. In that respect, it's really quite nice to play. It's also less than £2.50 um, on the respective platforms. And I'm about, um, I think about three quarters of the way through, going into chapter three of it, um, which I think will probably be the final chapter. Um, I know that I'm three quarters of the way through because whenever you save it and go back into the save screen, there's a little progress meter um, on your actual save file, or the sort of save log. Uh, so it actually gives you an idea of how far you are into the game, which is actually quite nice. And uh, I really wish a lot of other adventure games actually implemented that as well. Because it gives you an idea of how long you still have to play. Um, I think I looked it up on how long to beat and it's roughly, they have it sort of pegged as about maybe 5 hours or so. Though I, how long to beat always has sort of inflated or deflated times I should say. Because an awful lot of people like posting that it only took them, you know, a couple of hours or whatever and look how good I am. Um, yeah, wh yeah. Whereas in reality for an awful lot of normal people it probably will be in around maybe 6 or 7 hours. Um, sort of 5 is probably um, a very... Um, so sort of optimistic, I would say, um, choice. But the game itself is very good. It takes itself seriously enough, but there's a nice, enough nice little digs. Um, I or little in jokes. I was speaking to a bookshop owner who was called Jensen, and whenever I queried the word or queried his name Jensen, it actually gave me Adam Jensen as a question. <laughs> <laughs> to which he then re then replied. Um, it's uh, I did not choose this or whatever it is that Adam Jensen says, which I, thought, I didn't ask yeah, for I this. Yeah, I didn't ask for this. Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was a nice little touch. And there's a couple of other things where um, you go to bed, um, so you do, and sort of seemingly sleep through until the evening, or what have you. Um, but then later on in the story, after maybe like three days have passed or whatever, um, you're told that you need to change and to go on a, a different mission and things like that. And it comes up saying, um, well, actually, you need the change because you've been wearing the same clothes for three days. Uh, that sort of thing, just because the graphics don't change at all. So it's just nice little touches like that, um, which just make it enjoyable. Uh, so, yeah, I'll hoping to finish that soon. And uh, hopefully over the next couple of days, if I get a little bit of time at lunchtime, I'll have you to sit and play through that. And for that, I would definitely recommend that for a lapsed gamer, just because it's a nice and easy game to pick up and play. Um, it has a, a nice play time to it and uh, looks good on a tablet and uh, for £2.50 or less um, it's uh, not too bad of a bargain either yeah especially for 6 hours worth of gameplay yeah um, as I say and you know for anybody who remembers the sort of 90s um, point and click adventures and what have you and it's a nice sort of graphical style it's nice and clean it reminds me vaguely of um, I think it's the longest journey one of the Dreamfall games um, in that sort of um, style, it's the later one as opposed to uh, The Longest Journey, uh, which I think was the first one, which was a little bit more pixel-based. Um, but this is, has a nice, clean, very futuristic, um, actually quite a, a bright futuristic um, view of it with nice architecture and everything like that. Um, so yeah, very enjoyable. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ali, you've got a bucket load. I have. Um, <laughs> so it might be worth just very briefly mentioning that um, since joining the podcast and, and this year, I've gone through a bit of a bit of a shit time. Um, I lost my uncle last month, uh, and then uh, just over a week ago, unfortunately, my father-in-law died. Um, so um, since joining the podcast, I've not been about that much. 
hardly touch my YouTube channel because my time's been preoccupied elsewhere. Um, shit happens, but it now means, as horribly as it'll sound, I've got more time to myself for gaming. I'm not hospital all the time. Um, so I've gone on a bit of a splurge, treated myself. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, it started with um, my uncle that passed away lives uh, in Manchester. Um, so it's a bit of a drive. Um, and while I was in Florida, my Fitbit broke. Uh, the actual plastic around it bubbled away um, and completely died. And I've heard stuff on the internet, quite a lot of people having the same issue. Uh, so I took it back and got a refund, uh, which was a nice, healthy £88. So I thought, oh, I'll uh, treat myself to a, a Vita instead of getting another one, since it seems like it's a flaw with the device. Uh, so I managed to get the OLED version. Oh, uh, nice. So the original one. Um mm from sex and it's actually in a very good condition and it's still got the box and everything which is great mm. um so got a card with it uh on your guys recommendation i did buy persona 4 yes which is the fucking weirdest game i've ever played in my life <laughs> um so I've, I've shelved that for now because i'm a bit like my head can't take that at the minute um yeah. so it is good um and a very traditional um, Japanese RPG game which I do like um, but I think you need to be in a certain frame of mind to be able to play them um, a little bit like the Final Fantasy games yeah, uh, and Fallout like and stuff like that you have to bit, be a it's a bit more different to the traditional Final Fantasy games where like you could spend hours doing the mindless like mini battle grinding thing uh, Persona 4 spent you don't actually spend that much time in the dungeons doing like the the, the fighting most of the time is spent like going through your days and like socializing and yeah, building your social links stuff. <laughs> yeah and hanging out with friends and working your part-time job and, and as boring as that sounds it's really really good <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sure it'll get uh, quite addictive um yeah but i did buy uh, hitman go at the same time oh what a game um i've been wanting to play it for ages because i know you you said it's good the guys at code mm. momentum said it good and i think it's kev and a few other people on the podcast played it as well yeah, I got the platinum. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think Kev said he played it, but anyway, yeah, um, and I'm a bit of a achievement and trophy whore, so I held out for that. So I'm about four sections into it, I think. Right. Because uh, there's is it is the six altogether or eight? And you got the definitive version, so I think there's like five standard ones and then like two bonus. Yeah, uh, the there's blood like money two and ones. Something uh, yeah, else. there's. There's one based on Curtains Down from Blood Money and then one based on uh, another mission that I can't remember. Uh, so yeah. I think there's seven in total, I think. Mm -hmm. like, um, uh, yes, seven like worlds with various boards in them, yeah. Yeah, so I won't go into it too much detail because I'm sure it's been talked to death on here already. Um, but I've actually submitted that as my codec momentum for a completion. Ooh, what, all trophies? No, a completion, not a oh, okay, platinum. Right. But okay. I might do a platinum as well. I'll see. Yeah, you, you absolutely should. Uh, my advice is like, don't look up any guides or anything like that. Because I, I made a conscious um, decision not to look up any guides, even if I got really stuck, and I just sat and like went to the length of like taking like squared graph paper and <laughs> like sitting and like doodling out the moves and the positions of the enemies and stuff like that, and like drawing their patterns uh, to try and figure out how to get through it. And I got the platinum legitimately, and it's one of my proudest gaming achievements. So uh, yeah, I can yeah. see why. The, the bizarre <laughs> thing is with it is I'll do a level and it's really hard, and I'll finally do it, mm -hmm. and then the next one I'll suddenly get all three stars, and I'm like, how, how does that work out? <laughs> it's just it's crazy. Like, 
it's just how your mind works. Like sometimes you'll see, you'll see you'll see the pattern immediately, and you'll know exactly how to to complete all the objectives. And sometimes you can complete all three objectives in one run. And sometimes you'll get to it, and like you'll see one of the objectives, and you just go, I don't I don't understand how this is even possible. Uh, and they're really really fiendishly difficult. Um, they're all challenging. It's just uh, from from other people I've spoken to who've played that game, they had problems with other levels. They had, pro they had problems with levels that I found fine, and then they breezed through levels that I spent hours bashing my head against. So it's just whether you recognise the pattern in the level. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's my... I think that's my bedtime game at the minute. Mm. Uh, my wife's staying with my mother-in-law most nights. So I'm, I'm home alone. Um, but it's, it's not a bad thing. Um, mm. So yeah, yeah. Putting a couple of hours in a day, I reckon, for that. Uh, it also it does bought... A it does a really good job. So, so something that we've mentioned before, but like it does a really, really good job of distilling the what Hitman is down into like a really, really simple tile-based puzzle game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because you you don't have to kill anyone. There are some no. people you have to take out to complete mm -hmm. it. Um, and then obviously there's other objectives like getting the briefcase or killing so many people or everyone on that level. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's really really good. Recommend it for that would be my recommendation for a laps gamer on this since it's on so many platforms as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely. Um, I also got the Metal Gear Solid HD collection, which is two oh, nice. and Sons of Liberty. Is it? Yeah, two yeah. and Sons of Liberty. But for some reason, if you got the HD collection on Xbox 360 or PS3, it also included Peace Walker, which was a PSP game to start with. But for some reason, the Vita version of the HD collection doesn't have Peace Walker on it. Yeah, which very I strange. don't understand. I don't understand. But um, on the plus side, I'm almost certain that the same with the uh, PS3 and Xbox 360 versions. In the menu of Metal Gear Solid 3, you can play through Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2, the old MSX games. Ah. So wicked. technically, you've got four games there. Ah, okay. Um, I've I've literally just fired up Metal Gear Solid 2. And watched all the intros and stuff because as we know they can go on a little bit um, nice. so I've got to the bit where I can do something but I've not touched anything else with it yet hmm. um, so so we'll see from there uh, when I went to Florida um, I wanted something to play other than on an iPhone or pad or whatever uh, so I picked up uh, the link between two worlds on my 2ds oh, nice. which is really really good uh, I think I've almost completed it I'm not sure uh, I've got I was kicked out of the castle and then magic barriers went up and I've managed to get past the magic barriers and I'm into the castle taking my way down through that but I've not touched it since I've been back because um, I've had a few distractions <laughs> uh, playing other games but that is really really good uh, it was nice to get back into the uh, the core of Zelda again um, and I think I picked it up from game uh, on a digital code for 10 or 15 pounds which I didn't think was too bad oh, saying to actually get the um Hard copy of the game is still about thirty, I think, to get the cartridge. Yeah, yeah, something like that, because mm, mm. uh, they do do digital codes there. So, uh, yeah, treated myself to that, and it's it's very very good. It's passed quite a few hours on an aircraft and and whatnot, so that's very good. Mm. Um, in the last couple of weeks, Just Cause Three was on offer again on the Xbox Live Gold um, offers that you get. Mm. Uh, so I picked up that. Uh, there was two versions: the normal for eighteen pounds. Or the full version with the season pass for 25. Uh, so I picked up that one. I thought, why not? Because uh, I think they'd just released um, another expansion at the time, a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, and that is really, really good. It's it's dumb fun, if you like. 
um, but yeah just going around blowing up things the only negative about it is that the uh, the there's a lot of tearing there's a lot of frame rate issues on the Xbox mm. at least there uh, is on PS4 as well from what I've heard yeah uh, which is a little bit disappointing I don't get it as much as uh, a friend of mine uh, gets it but whether that's because I'm running it off a hard drive which bizarrely gives a bit of performance increase on the Xbox I don't know um, but yeah very, very enjoyable game um, it's one of those games that you can just drop in and out of do a couple of missions blow some stuff up uh, you have to liberate certain areas uh, and to do that you just blow everything up in that area so um, <laughs> it's a little bit like GTA in the fact that you could just go on and blow a few bits up and then dip out of it and dip back in so that's quite good another laps gamer recommendation I'd say because it's yeah. you have to play solidly Kev's a big uh, fan of that game as well. He picked that up on yeah. PS4 when it came out and, and waxed lyrical about it for ages. And, uh, I've seen lots of gameplay videos and it's something I want to pick up at some point. So I, I like what... Uh, is it Avalanche that make it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I like what they've they've done the same thing that like the um, the developers of uh, the Saints Row series did. It's like they started off trying to make a semi-serious open world game uh, and then just embraced the really bonkers elements of the games, and so they've just gone crazy in in uh, in Just Cause Three with grappling hooks and blowing ev- and sticky bombs and grenade launchers and rocket launchers and everything being explodable and using the grapple hook to fly up to a helicopter and uh, pull the pilot out the chopper and, and uh, jump in and it, they've just embraced yeah. the craziness of it and it does look really good fun the, it's the, something I intend to get around to the wingsuit is one of the hardest things I've ever tried to control in my life there's a few <laughs> uh, challenge bits where you have to go through um, like ring like if you like coin rings that you get on Sonic mm. and whatnot, um, and it's really really hard I can do it no problem on Batman when I play Batman, I can do it, but for some reason that wingsuit's got me. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep flying face first into a cliff. <laughs> um, I uh, received a review copy, so that's my disclosure for, for this, but uh, from uh, the guys over at 2K of the Bioshock collection on the Xbox One again. Uh, so fired up the original Bioshock. That is one of the games that's on my shame list because uh, I never actually ever got around to completing it. Um, and I actually own every single one on my PC and again never completed any of them <laughs> um, so I've, I've only managed to have a, a probably an hour's worth um, into the game but it looks, looks really really good I know uh, Stu touched on it uh, in the last podcast that we did um, and it, it's really good um, if you're a fan of the series and not going around to, pick, uh, to play in them uh, then definitely pick it up uh, the enhancements they've done is really really good the intro, which I think for the first one was probably be a little bit of ahead of its time uh, back oh, in the day. miles ahead of its time, um, yeah. It looks, still looks incredible. I think the water, when it's the, the plane's on fire and different things, looks even more um, incredible now. Um, mm. and, and that water just looks so realistic, it's unbelievable. Um, so yeah, uh, playing that. I play it in dribs and drabs because there's a few bits in that first game that get a bit scary. And I know what I mean. You're like a, those type of games, Mark. So yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lights on full, and uh, yeah, in the light of day. Um, so yeah, uh, had a little go on that. I've uh, been playing a little bit more of Dark Souls Three. Uh, oh, nice. To take down a couple more bosses. Um, a few of my mates have been not necessarily helping me with it, but encouraging me to go back in uh, and offering advice because mm. there's the DLC in a couple of weeks or next month. Uh, yeah, it. something like that. Yeah. yeah. 
um, and they they're all on game plus 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 or whatever. So um, I want to complete that before the DLC, and then hopefully uh, do some of that with the guys. Um, but yeah, it's it's Dark Souls. Um, I've mm. not played it for ages, so uh, just against some of the trash mobs, I died several times <laughs> thinking, yeah. "Well, what does this button do?" <laughs> um, but yeah, I managed to take down. I don't know if you've got to the boss yet, Mark, with the um, it's the guy where you have to use a wind sword. It's a special no. sword you have to use to take him down. Okay. No, no, I haven't got that far. Um, I do the. I've done the same thing. That's one of the games on my backlogathon. Um, I do the same thing with every single FromSoft game. Like when the first Dark Souls came out, I bought it and played quite a chunk of it until I hit a boss that I couldn't get past. Gave up, stuck it on the shelf. Came back about six months to a year later and ploughed through the whole game. Did the same thing with Dark Souls 2. Hit a, hit a wall, left it, came back a while later and then ploughed through the whole game. Uh, the same thing with Bloodborne as well. Uh, and it looks like I'm going to do the same thing with this one. I, I played it for a while, got to an area where I just kept dying over and over again. It was only about five or six hours into the game uh, and just went, no, enough. I'll, I want to play something fun. Um, <laughs> which yeah. is a bit unfair yeah. because the Dark Souls games are fun. Uh, but I wanted to play something a little bit more forgiving. Um, yeah. So I imagine that when I go back to it, I'll end up just plowing through the whole thing again. Yeah, the good, the good thing is as well is that you can put your soapstone down and get a mate to come in and just give you a little hand. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of mates that are quite good in the sense that they'll just ease me through an area, but then just mm-hmm. hang back. Um, and then if I say, yeah, let's just take this boss down together for, for quickness or whatever. Um, but they're quite good in terms of they won't just run ahead and I'll just plod along behind them or whatever. Um, so yeah, yeah, that, that's that's quite good. They've gotten a little bit better with that stuff as well. Like You can actually chat to people in party chat now um, yeah. when you're playing with friends. Whereas like when the first Dark Souls came out on 360, uh, if, you, um, if you were playing it and you tried to get a mate in, if you loaded up Xbox Live chat, the game would dump you back to the menu. Yes. Like you, you weren't allowed to yeah. communicate with the people that you were calling into the into the Shocking. game with you. Uh, but believe it or not, I've got. I think I've got Dark Souls One on Steam because I think it was dead cheap. Because I heard it was good. Mm. Uh, but this is the first one I've actually properly paid. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoy it. It's just it is one of those games where you do have to take breaks from because it's yes. immensely hard. Yes. Um, you do. Yeah. Probably not one for a lapse gamer because your frustration level Ooh. goes straight up and. The controller will be at the wall or something. <laughs> yeah. If you play, if you uh, when you finish it, if you enjoy it, um, I would highly recommend playing Bloodborne as well because I think yes. that's the best game in the series. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to give it a go. It's a little bit more different. It's a little faster paced. You can't go, you can't go creeping around with your shield up because there are no shields. You have mm. to be more proactive, uh, and the, the, the pace of the combat's a lot faster. But it, overall, I just think it's it's the best game in that series by a long way. Yeah, because I'll have to keep an eye out for it, but I bet it might be on a Black Friday deal or something coming up. Yeah, well, it's been month. it's been popping up quite recently on PlayStation sales, like the complete version with the um, the old Hunters DLC as well, uh, which is oh, definitely okay. worth picking up too. Yeah, lovely. Mm. Uh, next up, I picked up Rainbow Six Siege uh, on the PS4, which has been on offer for a couple of weeks now, I think. Um, I think it's a Ubisoft special that they had going on. Uh, yes. So myself and a couple of, well, I think there's about seven of us in total that have picked up the game, uh, and it's so much fun. It's great. Um, it's very uh, tactical. 
Um, we've not we've done a couple of games online, and it's mm. unbelievably hard. So we've just fucked that off for now <laughs> and doing it against <laughs> the uh, uh, against the AI um, and doing the um, like the hunter mode in it. Uh, but it's so much fun. Um, you've got so many operatives that you select from, and you've got defenders and uh, you've got attackers, uh, and they all have their own unique weapon. Uh, well, not necessarily unique. Some of them do. Uh, crossover a little bit but they only have a couple of weapons that you can pick from but they have unique abilities uh, so mm. there's a guy that's called sledge and he has a sledgehammer um so if you're attacking which is an attacker uh, you've got him on your team you can just knock down any barricade that's in his way and um, you've got a couple of guys that can see heartbeats for a few seconds and and things like that um and it's all about you knowing your characters that you're good with a little bit like overwatch yeah. have to get that in on this episode um, <laughs> but you have to know your character and its abilities so you can help out the rest of the team um, and it's 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 really really good if it's on offer and you manage to maybe sneakily not tell anyone else that you've brought it because you're back on you need to get it because uh, it's, <laughs> it's really really good um, and it's it's quite hard as well and the the AI uh, you actually get a replay of when they've killed you so you can see where they've got you from and it actually feels like you're playing against other people so it's it's really on point and I think we're playing it on hard at the minute and there's a couple that we struggle with uh, some of the bomb defusals are quite hard um, but yeah it's, it's loads and loads and loads of fun um, takes a while to get into it to kind of get into a bit of a groove but once you're there um, yeah it's I, I definitely definitely recommend it especially if it comes up on offer and you've got a few people to play with that's the the key because communication's a big thing um, on this game it's almost something you could use at a workplace for um, teamwork if everyone can manage to use a controller because if you haven't got teamwork you will lose uh, any lone wolves will just die straight away and you can't get to them to revive them quick enough um, but yeah it's, it's good fun really really enjoying it yeah I do want to pick that up at some point because I want to play through the unit and uh, Andy over at Codec Moments is a big fan as well so yeah. I want to play with it with him as well so yeah at some point uh, next time it's on sale when I, and I've cleared my backlog I'll pick it up yeah clear three backlogs and you can buy that one <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, finally uh, I, I'm, obviously my YouTube channel is mainly Forza based so clearly I've got Horizon 3 uh, oh it's so much fun um, it's great they've they've really upped the ante for from 2 to 3 obviously Horizon 2 was the uh, the first one that they they're the only the second game that Playground Games have done uh, and the first one they did on the Xbox One so they've upped the ante again um, this time in Australia uh, so you're just obviously you've got the outback there's not a lot of city streets um, so there's a lot more off-roading doing crazy jumps uh, and that is one of the, the things that you go out and find so within the horizon area you unlock a, a festival area um, and this time rather than it being a preset path that you go on it's very more much open this time so you say right I want to open it there and I want to upgrade this one and then you can even select the races you do and and different things like that um, so it's it's very more open this time and it's your own path that you're creating um, and it's it's great fun and there's little things like you find speed cameras that you have to trigger so if you go through it at a certain time you get a star and you have to get three stars on those and there's jumps and all sorts of stuff um, the water effects are really really good um, you can actually drive quite deep. I'm not. Don't know how deep you can go yet, 
um, but you can drive along the beach and go into the water and stuff it does slow you down and give you that effect that and the feel that it is pulling you back um, so that is that is really really good uh, I've also because I've got it on my Xbox one and I brought it digitally I've also got it on my PC yeah um, I did fire it up earlier on the PC just have a quick look and it, it looked really really good on the PC as well hmm. um, I know that there was initially a couple of issues but I think it's been relatively smooth release on the PC there are uh, well no the, the, it runs kind of fine as long as you keep it locked to 30 uh, if you want to play it at 60 frames a second um, apparently like ev- even with like every even like a, like a, a GTX 1080 and a you know a, a, a modern i7 processor apparently it still struggles even at 60 frames a second uh, so as long as you keep it locked to 30 apparently it runs fine on PC yeah yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a bit of a shame, but I'm sure they can they can help that out a little bit um, because I think they can put it into 4K on PC. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that's really good. Uh, and then finally, um, was it late last week? It was Friday. Uh, Mafia Three was released, yeah. um, which is really good. Um, I'm, I'm quite a big fan of the Mafia series. I remember playing the first one on the PC. Uh, back in the day. Oh man. Oh. Um, and I think Loved it. I was talking to one of my mates about it. I think the that was one of the first games that actually had a semi-realistic smoke effect off the cigars. I'm not sure if it was one of the first games or one I of think the couple, so, yeah. uh, where one of the main mafia bosses was there smoking a cigar and you actually sit and you're like, oh my god, that's actual smoke coming off this thing and it doesn't look rubbish. Um, but yeah, so big fan of the series. It took me quite a while to complete Mafia 2 because uh, the game actually uh, there is level uh, difficulty levels but can get quite hard especially the shooting i wouldn't say the shooting's clunky it's just it's just hard mm-hmm. um but yeah uh, mafia 3 is more of the same um but less i won't say mafia base but you're not kind of part of that goodfellas mafia uh it's more of a um i guess san andreas where you're a lone guy yeah. going off to, to take down other people um if you get offended quite easily uh, with the use of the n-word um, and um, racial comments then it might not be the game for you but it does work really well it doesn't make you feel uncomfortable the game is just based in uh, the the 60s uh, in Louisiana where uh, sorry not Louisiana uh, Orleans um, yeah. well where, New, New Bordeaux yes. as they call it yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, where people did use to spit at black people and mm-hmm. they weren't allowed in the same place together so it, it does take you on that struggle quite a lot um, but the main guy that you play um, does have white friends and, and isn't bothered about all of that he's a, a Vietnam vet that's come back and seen that his town's gone to shit a little bit, something happens in the game and then you um, are like right we're going to change things up um, so it's, it's very very well done, um, the actual the way the game plays, it kind of, it's almost as if the, the, the cutscenes are done in the game engine and they look fantastic. I'll put a link in the show notes to something I captured on uh, the Xbox DVR so you can see it because um, they, they look really, really good. Um, but the, the game is like a, um, like a documentary about what this guy did. So every now and again when you complete a mission, uh, it will take you back to the CIA agent that's helping you. Because um, he wants to gain control but isn't bothered about what you do. And if you physically gain control but he wants to take down this main guy and, and different things. Um, so it, it actually cuts to 
um, what would be video footage from what happened and someone being interviewed but it's all in-game footage uh, and, and it's really really good um, and, and well thought out the, the driving's a little bit I wouldn't say ropey but there's just a lot, not a lot to it the, the cars feel like they're on really soft springs but other than that uh, it's, I'm really enjoying it it's, it's a good game well, that was always the case that was in Matthew the original Mafia and Mafia 2 as well and I guess to a certain extent that was due to the fact that the time era of the cars themselves, I mean a lot of them would would have still been running on leaf spring suspension and so in, yeah. the, you know, in, in pursuit of, of historical accuracy I guess that they they are a bit spongy, yeah, uh, a bit rolly around the corners. Um, I'm glad to hear that it runs well on um, console because there's been lots of reports of the PC version is suffering from some interesting bugs and quirks and yeah i know they released a patch i think it was today mm. uh that we that sorted out the frame rate issue yeah um and allowed people to go up to 60 frames per second um to be fair i've not really come across any bugs there's one thing where they've they've tried really hard to do a effect of clouds going over the sun so you get that kind of a shadow yes um, and it does it as if it's in fast forward and it's a bit <laughs> flaky uh, but I can see what they're trying to do they're trying to push those boundaries mm-hmm. uh, so you can appreciate it for what it is is uh, there actually stuff to do out in the open world this time yes well Aside there's one thing missions. That, yes there's one thing that isn't on it which is um, I don't know if it's I think I'm missing it a little bit for a mafia game is there's no speed limits I think if you go tear mm. arse in past a cop, he will fire up yeah. the roof and come after you. But previously, you used to have to put the speed limiter on and like That's... crawl through and then take it off. And that used to be great because you were like, do I, don't I, do I, don't I. Um, and that seems to be missing. Whether that's because we're now into another era, if you like, so we're now in the 60s and it probably well, wasn't as bad with it, I'm not they sure. They still had speed limits in the 60s. But... Yeah. That's one of the complaints I've got from. from uh, now I haven't played any of it. Um, um, I won't be able to for the foreseeable future due to the backlog. But uh, <laughs> I've seen some comparison videos uh, where they show aspects of Mafia 2 compared with Mafia 3. Now, so I'm I'm glad that there's actually stuff to do out in the open world because, like in Mafia 2, there was this gorgeous open world and nothing to do in it apart from drive to your next mission. Um, but there's like there was a level of detail in the first Mafia and even more so in Mafia 2. Like little things like um, if you walked over a corpse, uh, someone that you gunned down in Mafia 2, if you walked over them then your character would leave bloody footprints yeah. um, for yeah, a while yeah. after. And there's like... Um, if you could, when you're in your apartment in Mafia 2, you could walk up to the fridge and open it and grab a beer and drink it. And um, there were like restrictions. I don't know if it was in Mafia 2. It's definitely in Mafia 1. There were restrictions like if you wanted to carry a Tommy gun or a shotgun, uh, the only way you could do it is if you were wearing an overcoat because you can't conceal one of those weapons in a suit jacket. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just little touches. There's, there's, there are loads of little touches that were in Mafia 2 that I, I think they kind of just took for granted at the time that apparently aren't in Mafia 3 at all. Now, it's not it's nothing that's going to take away from the actual game itself or the storyline. It's just like that little level of detail that went above and beyond your average open-world game that doesn't appear to be in the new one. Yeah, I don't know whether they've tried to make it a little bit more accessible to other 
gamers out there and um, people that aren't quite looking for that looking for something a little bit more serious than GTA yeah. but not quite as serious in terms of gameplay as the original Mafia games but like you say mm. stuff like that was fantastic because that's what you need uh, in this kind of game and it, and it is missing it yeah. um, but having said that there is a bit more of the open world to do so when you complete a mission there will mm. be a another part where you can go so for example you take down a, a brothel syndicate and there was a, a drug syndicate that I've recently done uh, and you take one of the um, sub leaders if you like of a, one of those syndicates down and then mm. that is technically the mission completed but you can go and take down the other one to get yourself some more money, reputation, weapons yeah. um, and things like that and you can actually recruit them to your syndicate if you like yeah. um, so that's quite nice there's uh, there's uh, Playboy magazines to find, there's Hot Rod magazines, there's music mm. vinyls to find. You also uh, get taught by the CA how to uh, wiretap. So you have to not only go and collect these little uh, electronic devices, uh, but then you also have to find the box and then you tap in and it'll tell you something about the area and unlock things for you. Um, mm. So although... I've probably put about six to seven hours into the game. Um, it's um, it, it, it's not. I don't think it's quite fully opened up to me yet. No. Um, Apparently, it is very big. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've only done uh, the, the starting area. I think I've almost finished that area, so it's not fully open to me yet. So I'm very much expecting there to be a lot of side quests because you uh, you can call in a van. Uh, which helps you buy weapons and reload things and he only stays for a few seconds which is quite a nice touch I think he's there for 60 seconds and then he'll drive off if you don't get to him um, and there's bits on there where you can upgrade yourself and things to cars and whatnot. Um, and you have to do so it says you have, must complete this mission to do that so I think some of those might be side missions uh, mm. but the game looks really good um, and, yeah. and it's loads of fun the soundtrack is fantastic yeah, from um, what I've heard is brilliant. I did send Kev the um, the link to the, there's actual I think it's official um, Spotify link, so if people want to listen to it from music from that era, um, and it's well, it's, it's really, you know really good. 60s Americana. It's going to be it's going to have a great soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. So that's something they've done really well, and little flashbacks. The game starts really well in a in a vault as well, uh, and then goes back a little bit, and then goes forward, and does a little bit of that. But um, yeah, really, really good. Just a, a couple of other things I noticed when I was watching this video. Uh, stuff that was in Mafia 2 that I didn't even notice or didn't even know was there. Like, you know, remember in Mafia 2 when you wanted to steal a car? Um, you had that, like, lock picking. Oh, the, the, the sheath thing that you shoved down or whatever it was. Yeah, and then you had to. Well, you, no, you had to go in and, like, you actually lock picked and you had to, like, lift oh. the pins individually in the yeah, lock. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. To lock pick it. Apparently, um, I, I didn't know you could do this. If you couldn't be bothered to do that, you could just empty a few rounds into the lock of the door itself and just open the car. Oh, man. No, I never realised that. Shoot the lock off. I just and got really good else. at lock picking. <laughs> yeah, me too. I didn't even know you, there was the other option. There, there's something else, though, which is just like insane, and I, I, apparently it's been used in a couple of games as well, but I didn't even know it was in Matthew 2. If you reload a gun, if you uh, uh, eject a clip of a gun when it's empty, uh, it makes a different sound when it, the magazine hits the floor to when you eject a clip that's still got a few rounds in it. No, it makes if you that at all. yeah, and didn't notice it at all. Like they they showed the, the like the two comparisons side by side, like 
uh, if you emptied, like, took out one of the drums from your Tommy gun and it still had a few rounds in it, it would make a heavier thud when it hit the floor than if the magazine was empty. And it's wow. like, who who would have thought that, to put that in? Because like, I didn't even notice that at all. Yeah, that's a, some kind of level of detail, that is. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely worth a pick up if you're a fan of the series. Yeah, I, I fully intend to play that um, at, like, at some point in the future when I clear the backlog, when hopefully it'll have reduced in price, then I'll, I'll definitely pick that. It looks gorgeous. Yes, yes it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that soundtrack is stonking. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's um, nice to see that sort of game with, with an African-American protagonist as well. Yes, oh yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it, it definitely makes you think about what happened back in the day. Um, yes, because yeah. it was not a great time for black people in America. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> no. Uh, and then finally, um, non-video game related, which is a surprise for me, uh, with me spending uh, many nights on my own, if you like, uh, while my wife is looking after my uh, mother-in-law, um, I had a few mates around and I decided to pick up a tabletop game uh, and I picked up The Dead of Winter. Um, I sent out a tweet about what I should get. Uh, our own Andy Piddy uh, said this and so did We're Not Wizards and a few other people. Um, my mates had played it once before, uh, said it was good so I thought, fuck it, why not? Uh, it was £40 for Amazon, so it's a little bit pricey but the game is fantastic. Uh, to the point that the next night my my wife came home for a night to have a, a little bit of a break uh, and to see me um, and we did a little two-player game um, but but it's fantastic so Dead of Winter is a a co-op tabletop game uh, where you have a your own personal mission um, and a group mission to do uh, and it's a, basically a a little bit like Walking Dead, but on a board game. So it's the zombies are all around, um, and you have your main area where you all start off. Uh, so insert random holding area if you like, um, and then you have six different other uh, areas to go and visit. So a gas station, a library, and different things like that. Um, I think there's about fifteen different characters you can play. Um, so it's. They recommend four players, but it can be done with five, and it can also be done with just two. Um, and what happens is, is you you lay out the board, and then you'll randomly pick a mission, and you've got short, medium, and long. Now, I thought short might be an hour or so. Uh, we started playing at about eight or half past eight at night. Um, granted, most of us needed to either refresh with the rules or learn the rules from scratch, uh, and we did two short games and we didn't finish till two o'clock that morning so we were we were playing for a considerable amount of time uh and my dining room's in the in the kitchen uh, uh, so we're not got to go far to get a beer um so um but yeah it's it's it, the game probably sounds quite complicated but it's not so you pick a mission um and you have a group mission so the one that we started off first was we needed to gather 15 corpses for research purposes. So every time you kill a zombie, you had to roll a die. And if that was, I can't remember what the value was, but if that was four or higher, you then get a token to put on uh, the main mission. And you have 15 of those to collect uh, within X amount of rounds. So I think it can go up to about 10 rounds, but this one was about six. And then you also have a morale counter. 
Um, and basically everything that you do has a bit of a cause and effect and you have to work well together. When you lay out the game, you have two characters to control each and you also have a secret objective. Um, and on that card, we'll say complete the main objective and have a weapon equipped to one of your characters. It could be something as simple as that or it could be uh, there are some betrayal cards. So one of my friends had a betrayal card where he had to get the morale down to zero we couldn't complete the main objective um, and there was something else. Basically, he couldn't. He had to keep all the food that he got himself uh, and, and fuel and different things. Um, so you have a, a betrayal person within there. And I think he had to make sure at least one character died as well. Um, so that adds another twist to the game. Um, and at the start of every round, you have a crisis card that you turn over. Um, and that could be uh, ensure. So if there's five people playing, it'll be make sure you have five portions of food in the crisis by the end of the game. Um, but you also have to make sure that everyone that's back at the main compound also has f enough food there, as well as trying to complete the main objective and making sure you're not overrun with zombies and different things. So it sounds probably really, really complicated, um, but it's loads and loads of fun when you get into it. Um, and you've got to make decisions as to whether you move your character that might be able to, um, it might be searching at say the the library or the grocery store, and your character has each character has like special uh, abilities uh, at the bottom. So there is one character where they can, when you draw and roll a die and you search at an area, and you can take one card. Well, this character can actually look at and take two cards. Um, so it could be that you're trying to get down the at the police station where it's got lots of weapons. You're trying to find weapons, but you might start to be getting overrun by zombies. And it's whether you use one of your die to search or to kill a zombie. And then if you attack a zombie or move, you also have to roll the red die, which says whether you get attacked, nothing happens, or you die. Um, so there's so many different little elements. And once you're playing it, it's it's loads of fun once you get into it. Um, it just sounds probably really, really complicated how I'm trying to get the game over because there's so many different elements to it. Um, and at the start of every turn, another little factor for you, is you have a Crossroads card. So it is Dead of Winter Crossroads, the edition I've got. And on this Crossroads card, it has a trigger. So if you've got someone at the, the colony, that's the name of it, not compound. If you have someone at the colony or if you move a character or if you equip a weapon, then this this uh, card will start, and it's a it's very role play. So, it, like for example, um, something could be happening at the colony. You've started an argument about food. Uh, there's too many mouths to feed. We're taking too many people in, and it could be that you either vote to take someone off the colony because you don't want to feed them, or um, you decide that no, we're, we're not going to feed anyone, and you decide to throw all the food away, or something like that. Um, I mean, one of the triggers on one of the cards to make it a bit more fun was someone had to yawn or the person had to yawn. So my mate who picked up the card was trying to make the other guy yawn and then that would have been a trigger for what would happen on the card. Um, so there's loads and loads of different things and it's such a an awesome tabletop game. I've, I'm used to playing tabletop games like Monopoly, um, probably Cranium and, and, you know, your fun Christmas time games. But this is this is really, really, really good. Uh, so anybody that's up for a tabletop game and has the time to play them, I, I would definitely recommend this. It's, it's really good. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't had a good tabletop session in a while, but I 
yeah. usually don't have enough people to be able to organize one but oh, i'll have to look into that yeah it's it's so much fun it takes i could probably set up the game in a couple of minutes now um but it's it, once you get into it and you've done that first game it leaves you thirsty for more because there's different games to do and there's a uh, an expansion you can get for it now as well and and different things so it's it, it's loads and loads of fun so which one of those would you recommend for a lapse gamer then uh out of all my games yeah Probably Hitman Go or just Cause oh, 3. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, no, just you, because you say, actually. <laughs> uh, they're the games that you can dip in and out of. And Hitman mm. Go, you can play it on the go and on everything. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. And if you're a tabletop fan and you've got the time, get Dead Winter because it's great. Right. Um, okay, I'll wrap through mine quite quickly. I've only got three. Uh, uh, well, technically only two. So I'll start off with one I barely played. Um, at some point in the past, I must have picked up on a PlayStation sale kind of like I've done many times with Steam sales. I picked up a game and then completely and then set it aside and thought I'll play that in a bit and then completely forgot about it. Uh, the 2015 Need for Speed. Um, I think that's the only way you can refer to it because there's been a number of games in that series that were just called Need for Speed. Uh, this is the one where they decided to reboot the series and then only made one. because uh, there, There's no Need for Speed this year. Uh, I've uh, barely played any of it really. I've, I've uh, got my starting car and made a few modifications and in a few races it's more need for speed um, which means that it's it's a good fun arcade racer uh, it's made by Ghost Games uh, who did the last one as well, uh, Rivals um, and I believe that they have quite a few people uh, on that team that who used to work for um, Criterion who did the, the Burnout games so it's got a similar sort of feel. Uh, it's not quite as you know ridiculously over the top as Burnout was, and it's not the same um, sort of like smashing other cars out of the way sort of thing. It's it's more of an actual racing game, but a super arcadey one. The thing that's different about this is like all the cutscenes are presented as like first person um, FMV, um, so fully like ac actual uh, sets with actual actors. I say actors. In the loosest possible sense of the term, um, they're so cheesy. The, <laughs> uh, the cutscenes are hilariously bad. It's like it's all like fist bumps and uh, let's go do some racing, bro, and dank memes and people drinking cans of Monster and act, you know, talking like cool kids, but of course not swearing because this is a this is a game for kids as well. Um, it's the cutscenes absolutely hilarious. I've I've been laughing out loud at most of them, not for the for what they are intended to be funny, uh, just because the level of acting is so bad. Um, but uh, it's good so far. I mean, like there's a level of customization on the vehicles that there hasn't been in the Need for Speed series in quite a while. Um, there's lots of mods you can put on, then you can adjust lots of aspects of it down from like the front and rear tire pressures, like how stiff the springs are uh, your gear timings and things like that uh, to, to change your vehicle between being an out and out racer or being a drifter or a drag racer or whatever um, but I've, yeah but barely played any of that but so far I've, uh, I've enjoyed what I've played um, Destiny uh, Rise of Iron still playing a bit more of that uh, haven't actually played any of the uh, PVE elements at all this week because uh, Iron Banner came back it's the first Iron Banner since Rise of Iron came along, so it's a bit significant because Iron Banner has always been the the multiplayer element that's revolved around the Lords of Iron, um, and this that's what this expansion pack is all about. Um, 
So a new character, uh, someone who was mentioned in flavor text for certain items, uh, Lady Ephrodite, uh, comes to the Iron Temple and she's the new vendor for the Iron Banner. Um, Iron Banner always used to be uh, one game mode, it was control, so you have two teams and three control points and you the team that holds the most control points for the longest is the team that wins. And then recently they started changing it up a little bit and trying other different game modes. Some have worked, some haven't. This particular one was not great. Um, it's a new game mode that they added in uh, with the Rise of Iron expansion called Supremacy, which is basically kill confirmed from Call of Duty, where when you kill an enemy they drop uh, an emblem, or they drop their crest, and you don't actually get the points for the kill unless you or someone on your team runs over that crest to pick it up. Um, so if a teammate, if one of your teammates dies, you can run and pick up their crest and deny the enemy that kill. Uh, and if you kill someone on the team, someone has to pick up the crest to confirm it, otherwise it doesn't count towards your score. Um, on the face of it, you'd think that would be an interesting game mode. It works quite well in Call of Duty, but it just doesn't fit with the way that Destiny multiplayer works. Um, so you had people running past their teammates' crests and not picking them up, um, which, I mean, if you understand that in order for you to get points, you have to pick up the enemy's crests, you think it wouldn't be a massive leap of logic to then move on to, if I pick up my teammate's crests, that means the enemy can't get those points, but for some reason, people were completely ignoring them. Um, <sighs> and they weren't playing to the objective, and so I had quite a lot of frustrating games, especially playing on my own, there weren't people uh, this week uh, very often that I could team up with to play with, so I had to play quite a lot of it on my own, so it was at the mercy of the matchmaking. Um, which can sometimes be good, sometimes be an absolute nightmare, mostly is an absolute nightmare. Um, so it was an absolute slog to reach um, rank 5 and, and get all the loot that I wanted from that. But um, I still I still kind of enjoy it. I have a love-hate relationship with the, with the, the PvP aspect of, of uh, Destiny. Like the, the actual co-op fighting against the AI enemies is great. The multiplayer can be sublime, can be absolutely atrocious. For a developer who made Halo, one of the most revered multiplayer shooters ever, uh, their matchmaking is a bit of a mess. Uh, they can't seem to get the balance right between having skill-based matchmaking and having connection-based matchmaking. So you've either got um, everybody in the match is well-matched in terms of skill, but some people have got terrible connections so they're rubber banding all over the place, or everybody's got a really good connection but one of the teams will be way more skilled than the other team um, so they haven't been able to get that balance quite right yet so it can be very frustrating at times which it really shouldn't be because this is this is Bungie we're talking about but there you go um, and the only other game I've really been playing is Assassin's Creed Syndicate uh, it was the uh, first game that I decided to tick off my backlog it's also the game I picked for um, my Codec Momentum game um, I picked that one up in the, the same Ubisoft sale that, that you, you got uh, Rainbow Six Siege in. Um, yeah. So using the the, uh, the discount code at CD Keys, got some uh, PlayStation credit and picked up the, the, the complete edition with all the DLC for uh, 20 quid, uh, rather than the 25 quid it should have been. And um, I've played through all of the story. I've still got a bunch of side missions that I may or may not do and some DLC stuff to do, but I've actually finished the main story of it. And um, I really enjoyed it, mostly. I mostly really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I need so, to, I've got it, and I've, I think I've had it since release, because 
I really enjoyed playing it at last year's EGX. Okay. Um, not completed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I got the season pass as well. I'm not sure. So you've got uh, Jack the Ripper and different things on yes. it. Yes. Um, I want to play the Jack the Ripper stuff because that's supposed to be really good. Yes, I've heard it's really good as well. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy it. I think it's it's a really really well done mm. game. Having the two characters that you can switch between and the different yes. styles and even some of the side quests like the the brawling and stuff mm-hmm. is really good. Plus all the little bits that they've added in with the uh, historical characters and stuff is is really good and fun as well. Yeah, Karl Marx and Alexander Graham Bell and Charles Darwin and Charles Dickens and uh, Florence Nightingale and various other people like that that you, that you bump into and Lord Cardigan and um, Disraeli and and uh, various other interesting historic you know, Victorian era historical figures. Um, yeah, I've, I've I've really enjoyed most of it. Um, I won't drop any spoilers because I only really finished it. Um, but uh, I really like like the, the the interplay between Jake and Evie. So Evie is more like your traditional Assassin's Creed player. They they she's really invested in the very Assassin's Creedy side of it, trying to find the Peace of Eden and defeat the Templars. Um, and Jacob is... He doesn't really care that much about it. He's more like um, Edward Kenway from Assassin's Creed 4, uh, where he doesn't really care about the, the being an assassin. He just wants to, to go around and liberate the different districts of London from um, the gangs that are currently controlling them um, and you know free kids from workhouses and things like that and just go and get in fights um, yeah. He's, a, yeah. he's a cheeky chappy uh, whereas Evie's a little bit more serious I like the, the to and fro between them and the, the bickering um, that gets that get that reaches ahead and then gets resolved in a rather awkward fashion um, okay. I won't say any more than that hence why you um, mostly enjoy it that's not the reason oh, that okay. I dislike it um Basically, the very end of it just reaches a, a a pinnacle of the traditional Assassin's Creed nonsense, like in terms of like the story, um, okay. the the mystical ancient aliens and weird artifacts and a incredibly annoying final boss fight and then a final cutscene that just left me going, what? Um, and there's also the traditional Assassin's Creed locomotion problems which I refer to as stupid feet um, where you'll get into a situation where you're on a, you're in a foot chase and if you run too close to a, a, an obstacle instead of running past it your character will try and climb up it yeah um, I got stuck in a post box once <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was I think I was on a chase sequence or doing something and then I was like in a and I'm like how the fuck do I get out of it I, saw, I don't know how I managed to get out but I was in a post box I'm like, wow. How are they glitching here? <laughs> I didn't manage to do that, but I had a, a few moments that were just infuriating. There were a couple of missions that nearly made me put down the controller because, despite the fact that everybody, everybody I've ever heard speak about Assassin's Creed games, without fail, has said that the tailing missions are garbage. Like, they're really bad. Where you have to follow someone uh, and stay within sight of them, but you can't get too close in case they notice you. Um, uh, are annoying as hell and then on one of the missions it's uh, in Assassin's Creed Syndicate it takes that to the next level where you're having to follow someone who is in a horse and carriage oh, um, and you're traversing the rooftops and so you have to try and keep up with them but not get too close but they're also moving incredibly quickly um, because they're in a horse and carriage and that can get incredibly annoying um, 
there were a couple of missions where you had to get a horse and carriage from one part, of, well, effectively from one side of London to the other, within a time limit, but also not damage it too much. Which, considering how crowded the streets of Victorian London are, um, was a pain in the ass. Uh, so it still stumbles on the same old problems that uh, the Assassin's Creed series has. I mean, the, the locomotion problem, like the, the actual traveling, traversing around on foot, on the whole works fine, but still has some serious problems that have been in this, the game since it first came out. So, what, eight mainline games they've had, and they still haven't fixed these problems. Uh, and it's still got a few mission archetypes that nobody likes, but they insist on throwing in. I'm presuming out of spite. Um, but uh, and yeah, the ending was really disappointing. But apart from that, I mean, I, I, it's one of the better ones that I played. Uh, the key in all of the Assassin's Creed games is: do you enjoy the protagonist? Uh, I didn't like Altair in the first one. Really liked Ezio. Really didn't like Connor in Assassin's Creed Three. Really liked Edward Kenway in Four, um, and Jacob and Evie Fry are uh, amongst the best um, characters in any of the Assassin's Creed games. I've really, really enjoyed their story, um, and just running around Victorian London was really cool. So on the whole, I, I'd thoroughly recommend that game if you can get it cheap. It's just, you know, with those few caveats, don't expect it to be perfect and don't expect them to have fixed the problems that Assassin's Creed has always had because they haven't fixed them. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's a sad thing, isn't it, when you're playing a, an Assassin's Creed game, you've got to expect the bugs and the, yes. take the rough with the smooth. Um, you have to accept the Assassin's Creediness of the Assassin's Creed games. Yeah. Um, I, for what they do, I think... I think that they're excellent games for what they're trying to do. I think either they're trying too hard, or sometimes not trying hard enough. Um, I think one of the biggest issues within the games industry, full stop, uh, is their testing and the QA that they do, if they do it at all. Because um, some of the stuff like on Project Cars, the fact that you can lose a wheel is great. The fact that you can do something and knock a wheel off. But then to go in the pits and someone to put a wheel on, but it doesn't actually put a wheel on. It, you would have thought some that would be on a checklist. Right, what happens when you go into the pits and you've lost all your wheels? And yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the QA is very questionable with some games. But yeah, the, the uh, I love the Assassin's Creed games. They're great. Yeah, but for everything that's right about it, the series had gotten very tired. Um, and aspects of it were definitely beginning to show their age because I don't think they'd done much to the engine between Assassin's Creed 2 and uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate because they'd had one out every single year since yeah. 2 pretty much uh, and one year they had two of them in the same year um, so it's definitely beginning to show its age so I really think they, they, they made the right decision to decide to take a year off and rework a game from the ground up yeah yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to see where they take it next because... Well, it's uh, Egypt, ancient Egypt. Oh, is it definitely Egypt? Yep. I didn't know if that was one of the arcade games. I don't know if you've played any of them. Because we've gone to uh, is it Russia. No, there was, there's and Russia and China. I haven't played them, no. Yeah, they're um, all right. No, it's, okay. it's been confirmed that it's going to be in Egypt, which is interesting because they're now going... Because it's, the series has been progressively moving forward. You start in the, the Age of the Crusades and then Renaissance Italy and then the... Um, 
Well, then it, then there was the American Civil War, and then you went back a little bit to the um, pirate piracy era of the Caribbean, and then jumped forward to Revolutionary France, and then jumped forward to Victorian London. But now this is going all the way back to before the first one, before there were Templars and before there were assassins. So I don't know oh, what okay. they're going to do with the story. Um, so do you think it could be, could be a, a reboot? Maybe. Like a new engine and, I don't know, maybe a female character this time? Well, we had half of got, Assassin's Creed Syndicate yeah, as female. Yeah. And um, there were, in some of the DLC, you've played as female characters, like in Assassin's Creed 4. Ah, yes, One of the did, DLCs, yeah. you played as an, a female yeah. character. Um no, uh, I don't. I don't know much. I mean, I, I presume that we'll we won't really see anything about it until next E3. Yeah, possibly. Um, I don't know the way Ubisoft are going on at the minute. They might delay it. I don't know. They're not, they're not doing fantastic at the minute. Well, then they can't really afford to delay it, can they? They need to bring True. it out and make yeah. some money. I don't know. I don't mean like that in terms of the fact that they're nothing they've not really got anything slated for this year now have they in silly season not this year March. no it's it's like Stuart was pointing out in the last episode it's all coming out early next year you've got like Watch Dogs 2 and Steep and uh, The Fractured But Whole and um, Tom Clancy's Wildlands and they're all coming out early next year Fractured But Whole is that not still this year or did that get nope. pushed back now it got pushed back Good yeah it's, it's all out next year but like early next year like February March sort of time yeah yeah. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, that's all I've been playing this week. Um, if I had to pick, uh, I, to be honest, I don't know if I could recommend any of these to a lapsed gamer. I definitely wouldn't recommend Destiny to a lapsed gamer. It's it is it's not an MMO, but it's as close as damn it to an MMO Destiny. Um, so you you need to put in a significant amount of time because there's a lot of grinding uh, involved to be able to get up to the required. Uh, light level to be able to take part in some of the, the the big events and also you need if you ever want to do a raid you need five other people that are going to be at the same level as you to team up with um, so I definitely wouldn't recommend that to a lapsed gamer need for speed maybe you know it's a dumb arcade racer um, possibly Assassin's Creed Syndicate because you can yeah. you, you could you play could it in bite size chunks yeah. yeah yeah you could like you could dip in do a little few little side missions to clear a bit of a district or do a story mission and then you know turn it off and come back a, a while later it would take you a long time to get through i i like steamed through it and took me about i don't know 12 hours or so maybe maybe a bit longer than that i, I didn't actually keep track of it but yeah you could probably pay play that in chunks but none of them are really particularly suited to a lapsed gamer i'd say yeah. they're not short games are they they're pretty no. long Right, so moving swiftly on to the news. Um, do you want to read the first one out, Ali? Because you picked most of these. <laughs> I've not read all of them. But, oh, okay. Um, yeah, uh, Mass Effect Andromeda uh, apparently has had a, uh, a, re- a date leak release. Um, if you can say that ten times fast. Um, apparently it's uh, slated for around the 23rd of March. Um, yeah. Uh, which it does say, uh, which could point to uh, delay being uh, the game being delayed, released for the UK, uh, mm-hmm. and apparently this is on Amazon, um, where they've released released the date. 
leaked today, same thing. Um, I'm very, very much doubtful. I'll be, I wouldn't be surprised if this game was actually silly season next year for oh, how little yeah. we've seen of it. That's um, the thing. That's like yeah. we've seen like right up until the PlayStation uh, conference recently, where they showed off the PS4 Pro and they showed a little bit of gameplay footage. We'd seen like like bugger all gameplay footage, and this is for like a new Mass Effect game, and it's due out early next year. It's it's not going to happen. Like if it was close to if it was that close to being ready, we would have seen more gameplay. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I was expecting maybe a release of uh, HD collection of the other ones although yes. they keep on and off saying no we're not going to do it, yes we are, no we're not, yes we are so whether that's actually going to happen I don't know um, but yeah uh, disappointing uh, and I, 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 I don't know, I think that's just a potential release date that they've put in so it doesn't drop off, um, I don't know how the websites work and things but it could just be fuck it, just put this date in and we'll see what happens so people can start pre-ordering it yeah build up a bit of hype and whether if whether it loses some of its charts within the amazon store or something if there's no release date does it go into a different section and people don't see it and people get emails if they've already pre-ordered it i don't know um so yeah it could be a, a number of things but yeah apparently that's a date for now hmm um yeah, I would. I, I, they're being a bit funny with a possible maybe, maybe not, maybe, maybe not um, original trilogy HD remake. Uh, but that reminded me of the fact that it's something that's just like completely slipped out. Nobody's really been talking about it. Uh, in the next month or so, we're getting a remaster of what? Well, possibly not a remaster, but at least like the definitive collection of like the Ezio trilogy of the Assassin's Creed. Yes, coming yeah, out on yeah. PC and next-gen consoles, and it's like no one's really been covering it. There's been like bugger all marketing about it or anything uh, about uh, anything like that, and that, does, that's that's a bit weird. Does that cover some of the ones that were released separately as well? Uh, no, it's just two um, Brotherhood and Revelations and, and Revelations. Yeah, cool. But uh, the cuts, the trailer I saw for it just looked like they just showed some footage from Assassin's Creed 2 and it basically just looked like the PC version of that game when it first came out so I don't know whether they're even doing anything to it or whether they're just packaging the PC version of those three games and releasing them on next-gen consoles I don't know but yeah that's an odd one anyway um, a piece of news that drops today it's not really news it's more like a trailer um, do you remember E3 last year at the EA conference um, Bioware showed off a trailer for the new um, Old Republic uh, DLC, um, the the Knights of the Eternal Throne. It was like a, a cutscene about uh, two brothers, uh, one of one of whom turns to the dark side and the other one doesn't. It was a really really good cutscene. Um, that uh, piece of DLC has apparently been in early access. Um, I don't know how early access works with expansions for MMOs, but um, anyway, uh, they've released a new trailer for it. Uh, it's not, you know, particularly news, except for the fact that everyone's gone crazy for this trailer. I've watched it three times today already myself, and I've I've not actually played Knights of the. I've not actually played the Old Republic. I've played both the Kotor games back in the day, um, but I haven't played the Old Republic. Um, the, it's a six-minute trailer that manages to tell the story of somebody being corrupted by the Force and going down the wrong path. 
succinctly and much more effectively than the Star Wars prequels did across three films. <laughs> so I highly recommend it. It's called the the trailer is called Betrayal. Um, so if you if you just search for um, Knights of the Eternal Throne, you'll see the Betrayal trailer come up, and I definitely recommend watching it. The level of animation in it is is fantastic, and it's it tells like a very very moving story in just six minutes with barely barely any dialogue. Um, I did see that the Old Republic is supposedly coming to next-gen consoles at Ooh. some point. Uh, at which point I might I might be tempted to get in it because I loved KOTOR and, and KOTOR 2. Uh, and I'm not really an MMO person. I didn't get into World of Warcraft at all and I haven't gotten into any of them since then. But if if I was ever going to get dragged into an MMO, one set in the Star Wars universe is probably going to be the one that does it. So I've actually sunk a lot of time into the Old Republic. Is it um, good? Yeah, it's fantastic. So so one of the things that, that they, they wanted to do um, with it is continue that story aspect. Um, so obviously with Knights of the Old Republic, rather than the Old Republic, um, you had that Bioware, had that um, story element and they wanted to make an MMO and that's what they did but they still wanted to keep an essence of the uh, like the single player story side of things um, and the, the game is great um, I haven't played it for a while uh, and when you said about how the early access stuff works the yeah. game is actually in free to play yeah, uh, yeah, but it strips out some of the stuff so you don't get as much storage and different things and basically if you're a subscriber and I'm not sure if you have to purchase it or you get it cheaper. So if you sub £8 a month or whatever it is, and either you buy the expansion or you get the expansion cheaper, you actually get to play it earlier than everyone else. Um, and that's because it actually unlocks some of the area for you and it's more single-player based rather than mm-hmm. spoiling. You know, if they did it for um, Destiny, you'd have probably finished it before everyone else has gotten to it and kind of almost yeah. spoiled it for yourself. Um, but yeah, it's really good, and some of the stuff you can do on it is great. Um, so I'm running around as a as a Sith Lord, um, but there's <laughs> there's loads of stuff you can do on it. It's, it's great. There's so many different characters and whatnot. Um, could be something for another episode. Um, so I might yeah. have to have a look at the funds and different things, and maybe give it a go and report back. Um, but it's yeah. really good. I'd be tempted if it came on to, to next gen for sure. I mean, I don't. Don't. I could probably run it on my on my PC, but um, it would probably struggle a little bit. Uh, Stu, did you ever play either of the Kotor games? I played a little bit of the the original Kotor games. Um, not yeah. a huge amount. They were good, but I have a feeling they'll probably be odd to go back to because I think they were sort of very yes. polygon based and everything now, and that uh, it would look yeah. very strange. Um, but certainly, uh, yeah, I remember playing. Um, well, I suppose even the precursors to that, the um, sort of uh, oh, I'm trying to think, the ones that were even before Jedi Outcast, um, mm. like uh, Mysteries of the Sith and what have you. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Back yeah. the yeah. very early ones, yeah. and uh, yeah, the new Star Wars games have always looked interesting. Um, certainly the mm. sort of, uh, certainly the, the old Republic and what have you, and uh, things like uh, Republic Commando and things like that. Are always ones yeah. that have always sort of almost sort of bubbled under um, as Star Wars games. One having nobody makes a huge amount of fuss about them um, compared mm. to say some of the bigger titles like uh, Battlefront and what have you. Mm. But uh, yeah, yeah, they're definitely ones that I will probably go back to. 
Unfortunately, yeah. it's not a, a lapse game again, really. With oh, it being no, an MMO. God, no. Um, neither, but, neither of the KOTOR games are either, to be not honest. Not really, no. But the way the, the Old Republic have embraced Star Wars is really good. So, for example, if you start off as a, a Jedi or a Sith, a, a Force user, shall we say, um, you actually start off with a, a wooden lightsaber and you have to actually progress through the levels until you've proven to your Sith Lord or your mentor that you're worthy of a lightsaber. Um, and that's how the story progresses. So they've, they've embraced it and it's, it's really on point. It's, it's good. If you're a Star Wars fan, it's great. And I presume that the Old Republic, the same as the KOTOR games, had like that Bioware's excellent ability at telling really, really interesting stories as well. Yes, yeah. So each yeah. character uh, or um, kind of chain, if you like, because uh, you have a, a Sith guy that's, I think they're called Inquisitors, which is more like uh, the, the, you know, and they can fire out the electricity and different things. So Palpatine. Uh, then you have your, your guys like Darth Vader. Then you have your Luke Skywalker. You have your Han Solo's who are smugglers, and so there's a lots of different classes, and each one of those has its own separate storyline. Um, you can interact with other users, but there'll be areas where they go into where you can't, or you can't go in together because it goes into their storyline, and it is does go into a single player game. So it's it was so good. <laughs> Make mm. me want to go back and play it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so moving on, uh, there's been a leak. Uh, you spotted this, didn't you, Ali? Um, yeah. New Overwatch characters been leaked. Apparently. Um, yeah. The longer rumored um, Sombra. Yeah. Um, apparently, I've seen it. Um, I saw the article on PC Gamer. Uh, I'm not sure where it's actually been linked. Um, it was from a uh, an Overwatch community post. Uh, Jeff Kaplan from Blizzard uh, said promised that there's going to be a new hero arriving, quote unquote, sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, it does say then, further down in the article the 18th of October. Yeah, I uh, don't know how true that is. Um, somehow an internal Blizzard document got leaked, which is unusual for Blizzard. They're usually watertight. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see uh, how that goes. Um, it could be that it's also rumoured, which is the other news article, uh, tied in uh, with the Halloween event that they're doing, mm. which also revolves a little bit around um, Junkrat being Frankenstein. So whereas, um, <laughs> oh, what's his name? Lucio, 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 uh, Lucio, Lucio. That's it. Um, whereas he was the uh, the guy that was doing most of the Olympic stuff, it seems like Junkrat is now Frankenstein. Uh, and he's going to be doing the Halloween thing. And the other mm. article is the fact that there's going to be uh, Halloween um, loot boxes that you'll be able to get. So uh, from playing World of Warcraft, uh, Blizzard are very, very good at doing themed events. There's always mm. something on World of Warcraft where there's a Halloween event, Christmas event, Valentine's Day. Um, so that should be good fun. You'll probably be able to get a... Uh, a head or a helmet or something that looks like a pumpkin and jack-o'-lanterns and all sorts of different things uh, going on so uh, yeah that should be quite good um, similar to the summary games and I presume there's going to be a, a separate uh, game mode whatever that will be um, yeah like uh, Lucio Ball during the Olympics yeah I presume if it's focusing around this is just speculation but if it's focusing around junk rat maybe you're firing pumpkins at each other or something I don't know who knows what it could be like yeah. I, nobody had any idea I mean they uh, 
I don't think they even announced the Summer Olympic stuff beforehand. They just said, we've got Summer Olympic stuff, it's out now. Yes. And everyone booted yeah. up their copy of Overwatch and downloaded the expansion. It's like, oh my god, they've added a new game mode and all this crazy stuff. And it's like, they're really good at, at surprise. I'm, I'm surprised that this has been... Has this been leaked or officially announced? Um... It because they didn't, they didn't announce the stuff beforehand. Possibly the Summer Olympics stuff. Uh, by the looks of yeah, them, the article is leaked. Yeah, it's a slip of the from yeah. the Xbox store. Oh, uh, uh, okay. And someone's quickly picked it up, so whether it was up shortly. Uh, but mm. apparently there's going to be more than 100 items, Halloween-themed items to get. Mm. Um, and it seems like it's going to come to an end on the 1st of November. So okay. starting in the next couple of weeks and then finishing in November. Mm. The final bit of news is that uh, there's some uh, EA have actually announced three more games that are coming to EA Access. So if you have that on uh, the Xbox One or EA Vault, I think it might be called, on the PC. Um, So it doesn't say when they're coming to it, but uh, in the next, they've said soon, so by the end of this year, uh, you'll be able to play uh, UFC 2, uh, Battlefront. Uh, and also Mirror's Edge Catalyst. So if you've mm. got that subscription for that, uh, if you paid £20 a month, which I think... Uh, sorry, not £20 a month, because that'd be extortionate. £20 a year uh, for an EA uh, Access uh, subscription. Um, mm. You will get those three games kind of for free, if you like, all part of that subscription, uh, which is quite yeah. surprising for Mirror's Edge. Obviously, it's not done as well as they thought, because no. that came out earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, and to be Battlefront's fair, only a year old. Yeah, C2 would probably be a year old as well, in the round there. Mm. They released, usually releases before Christmas. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting move. Um, but that's a few more games for you to enjoy if you have those those things. Yeah, as a PS4, mainly a PS4 player, it always annoys me the fact that Sony uh, were were offered the chance to get in on EA Access as well and turned it down because they thought it was apparently not good value for money which is ridiculous for like yeah. the, the, there's a decent number of, of free EA games available every year mm. I think um, for £20 a year plus you get access like a, a, a week early to a lot of titles as well yeah I can so like play them. Battlefront 1 in two days yeah I think so yeah. when's that Thursday yeah, so like that's a, yeah about a week before it comes out to yeah. the general public. Um, um, it, it is really good. Year, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, or you can do it um, uh, monthly. So I think it's about three or four pounds a month uh, if you just wanted it monthly, just to try out a couple of games. There's there's a lot of games in there at the minute, um, and you also get discount on digital games, EA digital games, by having that subscription. Um, so it is really good. I, I was shocked when PlayStation turned around and said, didn't they say something like, well, we have PlayStation Plus, which is better value or something like that? And it's like, why would you turn your nose up at it? It, it was something yeah. quite petty while they said, we don't want it. It's like, really? It doesn't make sense. It's not like it's going to infringe on PlayStation Plus because EA games don't turn up on PlayStation Plus. So it would just be, in yeah. addition, an optional service that PlayStation users could pay for. Uh, yeah. It wouldn't put Sony out at all. Um, you still need to have a PlayStation Plus account anyway to be able to play most games online. So it's not going to pull people away from, from paying for PlayStation Plus. So uh, it was it was a silly choice. I mean, like overall, yes, probably PlayStation Plus is better value for money because for ten pounds more uh, a year, uh, or possibly twenty pounds more a year, you get 
even if you if you just got one platform and you get two free games every single month. Yeah. Um, but still, if I had the option, I'd have I'd get an EA uh, access account. Yeah, because you've got so many games on there. You've got most of the the last three or four years worth of FIFA's, mm. NFL, the latest NHL games. Um, Madden. You've got Battlefield, all sorts of stuff. Need for Speed. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's great value for money. Uh, strange that PlayStation didn't take them up on it. Yeah, well, you know, they make the odd, weird decision. Yes, yeah, yeah. a bit like Nintendo, who are getting left in the dark, but there we go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bless them. Okay, so just a quick reminder that our next playlist game is Resident Evil 4, so uh, get hold of it, play it, and let us know your thoughts on the game in time for a dedicated episode recording on... What date, Stuart? 17th, I think we're due to record it, so it'll just be yeah. out just whenever this is released, so... So, yeah, if, if you've... By then, if you haven't played it, you're probably not going to have enough time, but most people, I imagine, will have played it at some point, so if you've got strong memories, uh, then do let us know your thoughts on it in time for that recording. Uh, as always, uh, you can get in contact with us, uh, send questions or suggestions for new segments you'd like us to start doing, tell us what we're already doing that you like or don't like, or let us know anything you'd like us to read out on the show. Um, through the following means, you can email lapsedgamerradio at gmail.com, you can visit the blog lapsedgamer.com, uh, you can visit our Twitter feed at lapsedgamer, and you can like our Lapsed Gamer Radio Facebook page and add yourself to the LGR Community Facebook group. Um, you can find all of our podcast episodes to stream or mp3 download at our Podbean web address, which is lapsedgamerradio.podbean.com. Also, please be so kind as to subscribe and review Lapsed Gamer Radio on iTunes, and check out the Lapsed Gamer YouTube channel for additional content. And remember, do let us know if you'd like to be on a future episode with us, and I guess all that's left to be said is thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye.